Hey there, this is Nathan Agan, and welcome to The Working Actor's Journey, connecting you with lifelong professionals. Today on the show is the recording of an acting the role discussion with Jeffrey Wade. We broadcast this live on Facebook back in October 2021, and we focus on the character of Dogberry in Much Ado About Nothing, a role Jeffrey has played twice at very different points in his life, and he always finds it a fascinating character to dissect. He and I first spoke on the podcast back in Season 1 about his life and career, and he also appeared in several of the workshop presentations in Season 4. Jeffrey trained at the Central School of Drama and has been working professionally for 30-plus years across theater, film, and TV. He was recently seen in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child in San Francisco. Now, this podcast is designed to show you how the work is done, what the realities of the working actor life are like, and to share all the different ways actors have come to this career. There is no one path and no single answer. We want to learn from all of those further down the road, to shorten the learning curve, and to discover what helps and what doesn't when it comes to having a lifelong career as an actor. In this chat, you'll hear Jeffrey and I talk about rehearsals, preconceived ideas, and discoveries, how to ground characters that seem eccentric, bizarre, or over-the-top, and how to trust yourself and the script. He'll talk about working on roles that people think or say are funny and dealing with any sense of obligation an actor might have to be comical. And as some of these guests have been mentors to me and perhaps even to some of you, even by listening to these conversations, you'll hear a defining conversation in Jeffrey's life with a mentor about this very role. Plus, don't miss the lightning round where you'll learn even more about Jeffrey. It's an excellent and to-the-point conversation, one of the things I always love about talking with Jeffrey, and whether or not you ever play this role, I believe you'll leave with several ideas you can bring to your next acting challenge. So here we go with acting the role. Please enjoy my Dogberry Chat with Jeffrey Wade. Well, I, I'm, I'm thrilled that we could find a, a little bit of time uh, uh, for Jeffrey to talk about the uh, the character of Dogberry and Much Ado, and, and of course, there's a lot of other things we can uh, you know get into. But uh, you know, it, it occurred to me that just like with the scenes, uh, it might be fun to really dive deep on just one character, uh, you know, one role. Um, and so uh, I thought this might be a good uh, way to just kind of un- unpack and explore one particular character. And, and Jeffrey had mentioned he'd played this uh, part actually a couple of times. So really excited uh, we can chat about this. Uh, what I wanted to do is uh, just kind of get right into it. Um, you know, so Jeffrey, can you give us a little bit of context in terms of when and where you played the role of Dogberry. Sure. I, I, I played Dogberry in, uh, I believe it was 1972 <laughs> uh, when I was at Amherst College. We played it there and then at the Folger uh, Theater in Washington uh, because Amherst and the Folger are, uh, I don't know, I, I believe Amherst is a trustee of the <clears throat> theater or of that, of the Folger Library. So we got to use their theater. Oh, okay, so, cool. um we did it that way. Um, 
It was a terrific uh, production. So the Amherst College, 72, uh, Much Ado About Nothing. It was a really a terrific production, uh, if I do say so myself. We had a firecracker pair of Beatrice um, and Benedict. Uh, one was a, a woman named Elaine Bromka, who's still a working actress. And uh, um, Bob Murphy was Benedict, um, a brilliant comedian and terrific actor who um, still does things occasionally, but has another uh, main main job in life. Mm-hmm. Um, it was directed by Walter Bouton, who was the head of the theater department there. And um, uh, I got to play Dogberry and had a great time doing it. But it, uh, but I, I learned a, a number of lessons. Um, you know, I was a young actor, obviously, 21 or two at that point. And, um, uh, you know, in the, the course of learning things, but but this, this one taught me a lot. Uh, the second time around was... Um, I think 1989 at mm-hmm. the Cincinnati Playhouse in the Park. We did a production. I, I uh, I'm going to say some disparaging things. I'm not going to say, <laughs> say his name, also I can't entirely remember it. The director was a guy who had been the um, who, who was the uh, the head of the drama department at University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, and um, that was a that was a it was a good production. Uh, Amelia White, my wife, was and uh, Victor Talmadge were the uh, were the lead roles. Mm-hmm. Um, Hero is played by a woman whose name has just gone right out of my head, she, she, but she's gone on to quite a successful career. Um, as have all all those people um, as as working actors. Um, so it was obviously a professional production, and uh, it had its good points and and bad points but I actually had more fun the first time around. Oh, interesting. So, you know, looking at that production in college, you know, when you were cast in the role, like, did you have anything in your head going into rehearsals of, you know, uh, who this guy is or what, what your role was or job was? Did you have any notions of going into it or, or were you just totally open? Uh, well, I, I was I was totally open in the sense that I didn't have any preconceived. I'd never seen. I don't think I'd even ever seen um, uh, um, much ado about nothing in in any form on mm-hmm. stage. Or I'm not sure there even was a movie of it by then. Uh, um, uh, I don't think I'd read the whole play before it. It frankly before uh, it it came up in that case. Mm-hmm. I'd heard of Beatrice and Benedict and was aware of their kind of. Uh, you know, this firecracker, great, you know, one of the great sure. couples of, of dramatic literature, comedic literature. Um, so I was vaguely aware of them. I don't think I even knew that Dogberry existed. Uh, when I read it, um, I thought, well, that's, that's the role for me. <laughs> I'm not going to, I, but Bob Murphy was, I, I happened to be at Amherst at a really great time because there were a number of really terrific young actors at the at the various schools at that time, <clears throat> the uh, that being Amherst, Smith, and Mount Holyoke, and each of those was a single sex school at the time. Smith and Mount Holyoke still are. Um, so there was there was a great deal of uh, of I was going to say uh, intercourse, but I really mean the word is, interplay um, or interplay. That's the word. <laughs> 
<laughs> fair amount of the other too. But there was a certain amount of interplay between the schools and um, there were a group of us who just happened to be in, in a group of r- really good actors, frankly, at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a phenomenon that, that um, I, I heard about from uh, uh, you know the professors there, the people who were teaching us. They sure. said this is a thing that kind of happens. You know, sort of waves of of um, interested, competent young people come through. <clears throat> so, um, so I had no pre- preconceived notion of uh, of Dogberry at all until I read it. Uh, you know, in in the reading of it, he's clearly this this great sort of comic character. He's he's, he's sort of the head of the, of the the low comedy section of of the mm-hmm. play if you will um which is great because the high comedy is is extremely high the, right you know the word play and the sophistication of it and uh dogberry is about as far as you get on on the other side it's um it's a it's a it's a comic mishmash of language it's, yeah you know, it's this balance. It's the opposite, and and uh, and there are great opportunities for you know physical humor, slapstick humor. Really, the opposite of the sophisticated, smooth, graceful, very witty, clever people you're getting earlier. And he he and his band don't show up until you know well into the play, and. Um, Structurally, they sort of help to re-energize the comedy because by the time they show up, things are getting a little um, dark, mm-hmm. to say the least. And um, and their their greatest comic scene comes after one of the greatest dramatic scenes in the play, where things, you know, we're talking about stabbing people in the marketplace and eating right. his heart and stuff like that. Uh, well, so, so thinking about, yeah. you, you know, the rehearsal process when you were in college, um, you know, I, and I think part of the reason we talked about discussing this character was it sounded like you had or, or some things maybe had kind of uh, become clear to you or or had some, you know, just insights uh, through that rehearsal process. Uh, and so what what did you discover about the character? Well, the, the thing is, when you read it and, you know, when you know, uh, the director or people start saying, oh, my God, Dogberry, you know, that, that's a hilarious part. You know, it's one of the great comic parts of and I think, but I'd never heard of it. But uh, but, you know, it's, it's a great comic part in all mm-hmm. of Shakespeare. So you think, well, I have this obligation to be funny and uh, and it's it's written funny. I mean, the words mm-hmm. are funny. Yeah. He uses mal- for those of you who don't know, I expect everybody does. He uses these malapropisms. Or, you know, he he gets words that kind of sound right but are wrong, and often mean the opposite of what he's trying to say. Um, so it seems like he should be funny, right? Uh, Walter Bowden, the director, was a he was great at making stage pictures, and he was somewhat somewhat helpful in character development. But he was not he was not a great acting coach, frankly. Mm-hmm. Sure, and and I I began to find myself in rehearsal thinking this isn't funny. What I'm doing (laughs) isn't funny. Uh, I don't, you know, I I, I don't know what made me say that we weren't in front of an audience. This is well before we were in front of an audience. It didn't feel right. It didn't feel funny. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and uh, I went to someone for help, which is, uh, you know, a good thing to do when, when it, when you're not getting it from the director, sometimes you need to go to a, a friend or whatever. And I went to this guy who I do remember, his name is John Huberth is he's, he's still with us. He may even be on Facebook. Uh, John was a couple of years ahead of me at Amherst, a, a hilarious actor, very good actor and a, and a director. And, um, you know, I said, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I'm not, this isn't funny. I'm not being funny. What, what, what's the problem? And, and what he basically helped me understand was that I was uh, trying to be funny instead of playing a character. Now, mm. you know, this is an old trope. Everybody kn knows this. Everybody knows the story about the lunts and, you know, asking for a cup of tea and all that, all that kind of thing. But this was my experience of actually learning it, uh, you know, in, in the field, as it were. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I'd ever heard the, the, those other stories also. I mean, again, I was quite young. Uh, and John, I can remember. I can remember where this happened. It was in Valentine Hall, which was our dine. Or actually, it was there was a um, uh, a place where you could. We had a dining hall, at, mm -hmm. and, and it was called Valentine, which was much despised for the quality of food it served. <laughs> but then there was a little cafe where you could buy f food, you know, in off hours, and sure. that's where we had this chat over a. Um, I believe it was called a truck burger in those days, a hamburger with a fried egg on it. It was very good. Oh, okay. And uh, coffee probably. And, and his sort of taking me through what the character wanted rather than how, you know, how to execute this joke. What's the mm -hmm. timing on this joke? Where should I take a pause? All that stuff, which, which has its place. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it doesn't because it, it does. And, and I'm, I'm a firm believer that, um, and I know this empirically that, you know, taking a pause in the right place and emphasizing the right word can make a, a joke work and doing it wrong can kill it. Obviously. But that was my approach. I kept thinking, is this guy supposed to be funny? How do I make him funny? Mm -hmm. And Basically, what John was helping me with was how do you make him true? If you can make him true, he will be funny. We will perceive him as funny. Mm. Uh, but this is not a character who tells jokes. This is not uh, a Benedict who knows how clever he is. Right. Who, sure. knows, who knows the verbal um, fireworks he's setting off for the little tumbling acts he's doing, you know, taking something that Beatrice says and he turns the word around or sure. hurts yeah. it or you know, uses it. That's, that's a man who knows he's funny and, and uses it. It's, it's, it's his charm. It's his weapon. It's all kinds of things. So when that, again, when that drops away in that incredible, fantastic scene um, between the two of them where she asks where she tells him to kill Claudio. Right. The only way, you know, they, they declare their love for each other. I mean, it's just, it's an unbelievable scene. It's a love scene. And then she immediately says, I want you to kill your best friend. Yeah. Not, I want you to, you have to kill him. Right. If you love me. Yeah. Um, 
So Benedict is, is a man who knows that. Dogberry, again, is the exact opposite. He is a man who is so sure of his, of his, um, of his probity, of that what he is saying is correct, that we, f- we find the humor in it. He doesn't, he doesn't see the humor. He wouldn't see what's funny about it. Uh, every time somebody tries to, to make a little joke at his expense, uh, when he's talking to Leonato, uh, I'd have to look up the exact line, but he, um, Dogberry says something that's sort of, oh, he says, uh, he says, um, uh, I would, you know, if I were as rich as a king, I would give all my tediousness to you. Like he thinks tediousness is all his riches, right? And, and, um, and Leonardo says, all your tediousness? And he goes, yeah, yeah. And I'd go borrow somebody else's to give you even more. Um, he, he doesn't even realize when he's slightly being made fun of. Right, Which right, is right. the fun of it. But I didn't quite, at that age, I didn't quite realize that. So, so John sort of took me through uh, the character because I was looking at it from the outside. I was saying this guy is, is pompous and he's self-satisfied and, you know, thinks he knows everything. And um, John just sort of simply started saying, well, why? What, why is he that? And um, with each answer I'd give, he'd just continue to ask why. Why is that? Why? Mm-hmm. And, and it, was, it was a very simple kind of exercise, which I've used with students and um, actors since. It just helps you get below the surface, get below... Mm-hmm. Even your your first impulse, you know, why, why is he pompous? Well, he he wants to assert his power. Okay, well, why does he want to do that? Um, because he doesn't think he's as good as these people. Well, why is that? Because he grew up in the in the in the the the, the poorest part of Messina. Sure, and, sure. And well, what? And so you begin to think. You begin to construct a, a life for this person, and. Um, Is with all characters, you're not conscious of your needs you, or, or you know, what's made you be this way. You don't, um, sure. you know, you, you don't have a f- fight with your partner and think, oh, that's because my mother didn't love me enough or something because right. you're mad at her. Then right. th- these things accrete over time. Right. But, but it's, it's useful to have some kind of touchstone for a character, some yeah, so you can go back to that, that. That sort of gets at the 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 nerve of things, at the at the nub of things, rather than trying to be funny. Right. Why is it so important for him to always be right, to assert himself the way he does, to put verges down gently, but but to never let verges get you know above him or speak right. ahead of him. Well, um, and, and why I is think. That important? Uh, yeah, sorry, sorry to jump in there, Jeffrey, but I, it, it sounds like you know what we're kind of getting at is I think I the way I heard it is that you know every 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 character in the play to themselves thinks they're the lead, you know, like this is this is Dogberry's story, like this is you know he he's the most important character in the play to him. Um, of course, and 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 I, and I love the point that you brought up of like you know the the why digging because 
you know, it's like, even for myself, you know, the more introspection one can have, it's like, I can probably tie about 90% or more of what, of every action I do in the day to certain things that, you know, uh, occurred to me when I was a kid, you know, and it's just like, they're just such deep seated things that they just influence a lot of my actions and behaviors. Now, some of those are, you know, the world might see as positive or as, or, or on the other side, destructive or whatever, but it's all baked in there. So, and we all have that, we all have those motivations going through us. It's like, like you said, whether it's our, our mother or father or other situations, it's like, it's coursing through us in whatever uh, uh, events come up. We may not be conscious in the moment of, oh, I'm going to eat this because my dad at four-year-old, when I was four years old, told me this thing, you know, but it's, it's all there. Um, and, 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 it, and, 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 yeah, for, and, and as you were just saying, there's no particular value on it. That's right. just the way it was. Right. Right. Any value that's put on it is, is after the fact and sort of immaterial. Right. And that's and, other people's judgments. Exactly. And, and, you know, I think there's a lot of characters, especially in Shakespeare, but certainly in other plays that, that can seem you know, eccentric or bizarre or larger than life. I mean, you know, we can easily pick Falstaff or, or whatever these characters and, and this idea of, you know, it's like, okay, but I, I can't play eccentric. I can't play bizarre. Like, like there's no action for that. So what I'm, I'm, what I'm enjoying is, is hearing about, and this is, I think what we're getting at. It's like, well, how do you ground this character in reality? You know, like what, what is his reality? And, you know, it's it's a cliche thing because it's true. You know, the the more real a situation is to somebody, the more likely we're going to find it funny, you know, just because of the circumstances. Yeah. Because like the more serious it is to that person and the more they are committed 100 percent to the success of it or not, um, it just becomes funnier because of the ridiculousness of the, of the situation or, or whatever, you know, our our um, our expectations are thwarted, you know, because of their response and all that kind of stuff. Um, well, and, and, and I'm really enjoying this and I don't want to give short shrift to the production, uh, later that you did. Oh, so yeah. I just wanted to kind of talk about that, um, a, a little bit because I think, you know, this was, um, what about 25 years later that you, uh, I guess what 72, 82, 92, uh, uh, no, it was, um, oh, but about 20 years later, 20 years later. Call okay. So yeah. You know, and, and I think every time you return to a, a part, obviously, you're going to look at it differently. You're going to be in a different place in your own life. Um, you know, you're going to be, you know, experiencing different things and all that. So how did you feel like you were approaching the character any differently the second time around or or you were you were seeing different things or things were landing with you differently? Um. I, I don't recall taking a, a you know a sort of different tack on the character mm-hmm. the way you might with a more um, complex sure particularly a, a tragic character again comedy right. is, is is demanding um, what, what was different interestingly that time around was I I felt even though I'd sort of gone outside the production at Amherst to sure to sort of to, to get a, a hook onto the character uh, at, in Cincinnati, somehow, for some reason, I, I felt a little bit more on my own, believe it or not. It's, it's mm. weird because um, 
you know, I th- I thought that my basic approach to the to, to Dogberry was the same. Um, it, you have different people around you, particularly your your Virgis. That's right. You know, that's the two of you, and and we 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 had a good relationship. We had a very good relationship, which is good because you know you're doing that sort of comedy stuff where you know you're I don't know carrying a ladder or something and turning around and you know the other guy ducks it's that right, kind of stuff. right right you you want to have a a, a good relationship that way in particular with Burgess mm-hmm. um but because the director um I've forgotten if I told you this or I've told everyone the, the director <laughs> was the director is very much of an academic okay and he he knew everything about the Elizabethan time. He knew things about Shakespeare. Um, uh, you know, he he was the one who would make comments about you know the structural importance of Dogberry in this. You know, there sure. scenes coming. You know, comic relief. You know, sort of helping us come back into the comedy world. Yeah. After Jeffrey, the- play the rising action. Yes, <laughs> things like that. But it was a little bit of a difficult set to work on Cincinnati uh, has a an inherent problem it's it's one of those big thrust stages that were so popular in the mid um, mid 20th century that people thought it would a big thrust stage would bring you closer to the audience but of course at any given moment half the audience is behind you it's right right they're they're kind of difficult to work on oh sure sure we had a set that was that compounded the difficulty. So it was hard to, uh, you know, the, the director's job, but to keep you open and to keep the focus in the right place and all that kind of stuff that the outside eye has to do that he wasn't very good at, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And, uh, I remember spending a lot of time just on the, um, sort of mechanics mm-hmm. that time around. And I, 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 I was extremely grateful um, that uh, uh, that I'd had the previous experience with Dogberry because what what that what Dogberry wants and and the the humor that I I found in in my take on Dogberry uh, that was that had a firm base. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this time we had to do a lot of work to keep our, you know, literally keep ourselves open to keep the action where most of the audience could see it most mm-hmm. of the time. Mm-hmm. All, all these things that are tricky enough on, on sure. them. any stage. They're compounded on on these thrust stages, I believe. Um, and uh, so it, 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 in some ways it was it was a more difficult production, but having mm-hmm. the the um, the character basis already set was helped a lot. It, it also taught me that that time that there are times you really have to uh, you know sort of protect yourself from a director. Not in a not in a you know I'm not going to do this. But I'm not going to do it your way. I uh, you know I take a different interpretation. Right, right. But sometimes you have to solve problems yourself. So Burgess and I would. You know, we'd experiment. I, I re- recall this, you know, sort of <clears throat> going off on our own and figuring things out and then presenting it. Um, mm-hmm. 
Um, and, and again, that, that's a, something that has to be, oh, uh, what, what's the word I want? Well you, well, you definitely need to be diplomatic about it. Diplomatic is, the, yes, one, one does need to be diplomatic. Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I remember. Was, oh, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead, Jeffrey. No, and it was, it was good. It was funny. There, there were, there's always, a, there can be a problem with that if you have a successful first time through and you're going to do it again, do something again. Um, and, you know, it's different set, different people. Everything is different. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, well, you know, uh, and, and you remember some of your best bits. I had, <laughs> I had some bits in the Amherst production that so, a friend of mine, who, who I met up with a few years ago, he said, "You know, one of the funniest things I've ever seen on stage." He said, "Was was that move you did in uh, in Much to Do when you you went to lean on the sexton's desk and it wasn't there and you just fell straight over?" He said, "That was so funny." And and it was funny. It was very funny. It got a big laugh. Well, there's no way to recreate that in the, you know, in the Cincinnati production. Right. So there are right, things right. that you miss. Yeah. Like yeah. That. No, I, I, you know, I, 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 I can relate to the point about, um, mm. you know, needing to figure it out for yourself. There was a production I did um, and I was playing one of the two leads and uh, we, we actually had co-directors uh, on the production, but me and the other actor kind of quickly learned that one of the directors was very clown focused, you know, comedy focused, and the other was very fight choreography focused. And uh, so that, that kind of left a big gap for what about the story? We like, yeah. you know, who's, who's telling the story? Uh, so, yeah. so the fight scenes were great. The clowns were pretty good. Um, and it's like, um, I think you and I have to figure out what we're doing yeah. here. And, and yes, we'd yeah. often like go block scenes and then be like, we were thinking about this. And then um, they'd be like, yeah, that works. And I was like, okay, good. Um, but, but yeah, it, it is, it is interesting. I mean, I think it's, it's helpful even for me to hear that, you know, that, that never, that, um, that may never go away. You know, you could be on the biggest film set in the world and the director still isn't giving you anything. And it's like, yeah, you have to come up with this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it, <sighs> Yeah, everything is different. It, 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 uh, you know, as uh, the stuff I've directed, if if an actor has a solution that works, I'm grateful sure. for it. Yeah, uh, m many uh, directors are not interested in hearing about that at all. It's like you know, do it my way. No, um, I know, which is well, great. That's also great. You know, if it's if it's working, it's fine. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Well, I wanted to bring up a couple more questions about the the character. I mean. Were there ever times, and I don't know, maybe it was beyond this this character, but that you ever felt nervous really going for it or or like, you know, trusting the script in yourself? Like even when you, you know, had kind of figured out maybe the person Dogberry was, um, you know, or and, and really committing to something like did you, you know, yeah, how do you how do you build up that confidence for yourself or do you still have those moments of self-doubt or, or, you know, how, how does that, well, how does that work? Uh, and, and maybe, maybe it more it, applies to other characters, you know, that you've played. Well, no, I, I, I do like to go big. I remember uh, the uh, late Jeannie Hackett, 
God rest your soul, uh, talking about Shakespeare would say you have to, and she may have got it from somebody else, but that's where I learned it. She said, you have to, you have to rise to the language, right? You can't pull the language, talking about Shakespeare, you can't pull the language down in the Greeks. Right. Yeah. The the challenge is to rise to the language. Um, And believe it or not, you have to rise to the language to, you have to rise to Dogberry's language and to his self-assurance Mm-hmm. To his, um, uh, you know, it reads as pomposity, but but he, that's again, that's a judgment from the outside. To him, he's a person who's confident and knows right. what he's doing, right? And uh, doesn't admit to mistakes. <laughs> in that in that early scene, you know, someone says, uh, well, "What do we what do we do if uh, if we see somebody doing something wrong?" And he said, "Well, you should just uh, let him go about it." <laughs> Because that way you won't be disturbing the peace by arresting me. You know, just he's got a, he's got an answer for everything. So that's in my mind, and also it's more fun this way. That gives you a character to to rise to. So when when you get the slapstick moments like that, mm-hmm. leaning on the desk, it isn't there, right. taking a huge pratfall. Or I think I actually did. This is so corny, but the the stage at at Amherst um, was uh, was an old fashioned pine floor with a stage oh, okay. cover on it. It was an old fashioned stage; it was great. But you could uh, and and we 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 set this, although it was in the twenties, set set in the tw- sort of Messina in the twenties and kind of Italian. Um, uh, my um. Uh, my character had this sword that he carried around, which again, you know, gives you great opportunities oh, for okay. banging it into things. And I literally did one of those things where I stuck it into the stage <laughs> and the point stuck. And then, you know, I walked away and it pulled me back. Those are, those are big, goofy, stupid things that if you haven't shied away from the character, mm-hmm. seems to me you can, I don't want to say get away with, you can execute. Right. And they'll be funny. Um, you have to, you have to embrace the bigness of the character. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, did I answer your question? Yeah, no, I, 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 I believe you did. Go off. Um, I, I did want to touch just briefly on, and, and, you know, you may have a simple answer for it, but um your thoughts on prose, uh, because, you know, some say it's the language of the clowns or the uneducated. Um, and and I, I've read others that have uh, felt like, well, it, it's characters are using it to hide, hide something or, or play at something, you know, whereas uh, verse, you know, are like the genuine thoughts and, and feelings. And so I was just curious, you know, where do you come down on on prose and and how do you approach it do you, do you have anything particular um i i don't um, um character you know the, the same character will speak in prose and uh and verse yeah sometimes almost within the same speech but certainly sure, within sure. the same certainly within the same um, uh, scene yeah uh you know Two, no, you can you can have a two-hander scene and people will pop right, you know, pop in and out, but but you, you'll you'll find them both there. So um, 
Uh, this is an interesting question. I'm a little uh, inarticulate in it. Um, well, it's okay. I, I know I kind of, it's, it, 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 it's, it's, it's a deeper question. Be, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a deeper question and it, um, Sometimes it opens a door. <laughs> um, Amelia, my yeah. wife, yes. said, who's overhearing this, said sometimes it opens a door. And that's that's an extremely good way of putting it. I mean, it can open a door either way. Mm -hmm. it, you know, if your thought is organized and, um, and precise, it might lead you to, or, or, or it has a, um, uh, a rhetorical need to, right. to be more more beautiful smoother right clearer that might take you to um to verse uh, but uh, uh yeah prose can be more direct and and it it tends to be the language of of the of characters who aren't as sophisticated but certainly very sophisticated characters you know can't get more sophisticated than hamlet or sure or, you know Measure for measure, it's, it's all over the place. Right, right. Um, I, I think you have to, as as with the verse itself, you have to sort of take it for what it is. You know, as it's as it's there. You see if you can figure out why why the character in that moment has has moved from one to the other. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think I think what you were saying earlier about you know really grounding the character because I think. Um, I think it's, there's certainly, you know, you can go the academic route and read what all, what everybody says about what verse means and prose means and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately you have to dig into it and go, okay, well, right. But what is this, what is yeah. this character trying to communicate? And what do they want right yeah. now? And, and it's, you know, it's, it's certainly good to read and, 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 and then come to decision. I mean, I, I'm very leery of, in, <laughs> In all of drama, but certainly Shakespeare, when someone says always or never, you should probably not listen to the next thing yeah. that uh, she or he has to say. Um, uh, he's Shakespeare's just too, too clever for that, particularly, you know, as he gets in the more mature plays. Yeah. Um, it's just really hard to make these hard and fast rules. Yeah. Well, well, I know we were talking uh, before we started here about uh, this little uh, bit of text that Dogberry has later in the play. Um, and he, he ends the scene um, with this. Um, and so, you know, we don't have to kind of break it down word by word, but it's a speech that starts with, uh, does, thou, does thou not suspect my place? Uh, mm. and, and he talks about, you know, because is it Conrad had just called him an ass or something like that? Uh, um, uh, yes, it's Conrad. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, so now, and he kind of, you know, almost in like a bit of verbal wordplay, but in a, in a self inflicting way, he, he picks that up and continues to call himself an ass. And, and it's, it's obviously very funny just to read on the page. Um, but, it, and, and you said something I thought was really great. It kind of encapsulated this. Because, you know, I have thoughts of like, okay, is, is he confused or, or, you know, what, what, like, how does an actor kind of get through this? And I, and I, I think it, 
probably highlights a lot of things we've been talking about. But yeah, what what, what could you share in terms of just some ideas or insights on the, on that particular speech? Well, it's uh, again, it, it's a kind of um, um, I'm trying to use a different word, but it's kind of a touchstone for the for the whole character. I mean, it, it's he's <clears throat> he's at his most. Um, outraged his most, uh, you know, his, his sort of highest emotional pitch, I think in this mm -hmm. and, and, and he's telling the truth and, and he's sort of exposing what's important to him about his life and, and himself as a, as a character. Now he, he, um, he uses the wrong words, which is funny. Right. Um, you know, he says, I have to look at it because I can't remember it. Uh, dost thou not suspect my place? Dost thou not suspect my years? And of course, he doesn't mean suspect. He means respect. Um, and, um, you know, that, that's that's a continuous thing for Dogberry. He uses uh, big words in wrong ways. This is this is a, a comedic trope that probably sure. started long before Shakespeare and and you'll see in uh, you know buddy movies today, uh, right? Right. It's, it's, a, it's just a, a funny thing when people who aren't quite as smart as they think they are <laughs> are using big words to um, to uh, uh, to sort of signal to other people how intelligent they are. Right. I mean, you, you hear it all the time, and. Um, Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's 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 a little kind of pathetic or sad, but it, it, it's a, it's a very common thing. We hear it all the time. I hear it in just everyday speech when people misuse pronouns. For example, you know, people are constantly trying to sound more intelligent than they are, and as a result, they use the wrong word or they use the slightly wrong word, and it only makes them sound stupider. To me. It's terrible. It's terrible. Terrible. The gra grammar police. It's just awful. Um, so, so in this, you know, in people, this talk, people talk oh. about, you know, let's say, uh, 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 oh, I, I can't think of it, but, but it's, it's misuse of me and I, for example, people oh, want sure, to use sure. I because they think that that makes them classier. Whereas the correct word to use is me, yeah. right? That, that's the one we hear every day. And it drives me insane. <laughs> So all right, so so so, so this is all I'm saying is this his misuse is an exaggerated thing of a real thing that we all do all the time anyway. We try to use big words to make ourselves sound and and to sound smarter than we yes. are. Yeah, yeah. And, and and the passion with which he delivers this speech is also what makes it, it funny. Well, I mean, I just think he's he is completely off. Off the charts, <laughs> and and so I mean, why does why is it so important that everybody remembers that he's an ass? You know, like what? Well, like what, is 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 that is that is that something he's confused where he's trying to he's trying to sound smarter or you know because he he try he makes a point over and over again of remember that I'm an ass. Yeah, um, it it's just it's just a little. Um, 
it makes perfect sense. He, he just got a little, a, a little grammar problem. Okay. You know, make sure you write down that I've been libeled, right? That's what he's saying. Got it. I want it recorded. And if, and if he doesn't write it down, I want you all, all you guys to remember, you were here. I was libeled or I was slandered, whatever. Yep. Yeah, yeah, sure, word, sure. Yeah. Right. I was slandered by this person and I want it recorded. Because I'm a, because I'm an officer of the town. You can't say that to me. Right. Because when right. you do that, it diminishes my, you know, this kind of get the fuck away from me. Or sorry, you know, <laughs> get your hand off me. Because you can't say that to me. I'm the constable of the right. town. Right. It's, it's right. the comic version of what of the horrible things we see when a cop says, you know, if you touch me, you get shot. That that kind of thing. Well, it, and I I have to maintain my authority. Right. And, and it just. He just constructs it wrong. He says, right. What he's saying is remember that that guy said, I'm an ass. Right. Right. That's and, and, what he's saying. And it's, it's interesting because if you, if you replace the malapropisms and you use the word slandered or whatever Shakespeare would have used uh, apropos mm-hmm. for the day, suddenly it takes on like a much more serious tone. You know, and, and, it, and it, because and it, it is it right. Cuts, right. Exactly. Right. And that's the key. And, that's it cuts, the key. and it cuts right to like, no, this is like anyone could see. Well, yes, of course, this man is, you know, he's a he's a man of the law and, and he is arguing for something that is true and just and right. But then the comedy is that like, oh, God, he has, he's, he's just, just like he's baffling us at every turn. Um, yeah. OK, so no, that, uh, that's, well, that, yeah, that's really fascinating. That's the and that's the thing. And it's 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 not a little thing. No, no, no. He's, and, he's achieved a position. You know, whether rightly or wrong, however, you know, whatever the backstory you want to make is. Right. But, but he he is not born into this position. Right. Like Benedict and mm-hmm, Don mm-hmm. John and and Leonardo, right. all these all these rich bastards. Right. Who are screwing everything up. This um, uh, um, uh, Dogberry is. However, he got this position. Right. He feels he has earned it. And he takes it very seriously. And any diminishment of it mm. diminishes him as a, that's his identity. That's oh, what sure. He, yeah. I mean, I think. He doesn't, I think have, he doesn't have the resources of all of, of the wealthy or the well-born. Right. Who, who have inherited their position, who have inherited their, their sort of essence. Yeah. And, and, and I think, I mean, I think that's a very, common or, or very uh, uh, relatable experience that, 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 you know, if someone feels less than, then they're constantly, you know, or subconsciously making attempts to kind of validate or prove themselves. Uh, and, and so, you know, and so that could be why someone attempts to use larger words to sound yeah. smarter yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and leading into exactly what you just said, that any attack or threat of of someone's uh, um, own self worth, you know, is, is is a major assault, and and that yeah. needs to be defined. so. Yeah, and, it, it, and, like, then he, and then he gives you this list, right of of, of the uh, of you know it, it's about halfway through. He said he says, he says you're going to get in trouble. You you're going to be um, <laughs> and. Uh, that he says thou art full of piety; shall be proved upon thee by good witness. Again, you know, he's using the wrong word, mm-hmm. but 
because um, he's full of the opposite of piety. He's, mm-hmm. he's a villain. But then he says, I'm a wise fellow, which is more an officer and which is more a householder, and which is more as pretty a piece of flesh as any is in Messina. So, you know, he talks about his office. He talks about his, his right. wealth. He talks about his actual physical being, right. of which he's quite proud. I had a, I know I have a big mustache now, uh, but again, when I did it, I had this big fake, um, you know, mustache. He was a guy, mm. you know, he likes his uniform. He likes, yeah. he likes well, that it, whole look. It, it, it and, also, and, um, so, and then sorry. he says, I know the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a rich fellow enough, a fellow who half had losses and two gowns. Some people, you know, that people wonder what does what does I've had losses mean? I think I always took it to mean he's had enough money or wealth or possessions that he has been able to lose but still come back, right? Right. Yeah. Um, well, uh, and, and and I hadn't I hadn't uh, thought about this before, but you know, again, if we if we really try to get at what is his character attempting to communicate, you know, I, I started to think about Shylock, and I started to think about um, Angelo. You know, that like if if again you corrected the grammar in this speech, you could hear somebody like Angelo oh, saying yeah. these same lines. Yeah. Um, and and, it, and it, would, it could take on a much darker, sinister tone. And, and, and again, like you, you look at a character like Shylock, who in, in, in many ways in the play is defending who he is and, and needs to because of the society, um, you know, that that that's that's the same, you, you know, and we never like we don't laugh at, at Shylock, you know, at, at, at his um, at what he's trying to talk about. It's it's like no, it's deeply serious to the character, uh, yeah. and so yeah. it, it's just interesting that that there are those those kind of uh, uh, themes or whatever. The, the, but yeah, I'd never really I never thought about the character or connected it that way to, to some of the other 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 characters in the canon. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's a person defining himself mm-hmm. right in front of you. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I say that you know this this little speech is sort of the key is kind of a key to the whole character right and and, and we don't we don't talk we don't say every day you know you can't talk to me like that i went to college i've got a master's i you know i earned 75 grand a year you you can't talk to me that some people do yes and we think they're assholes but <laughs> but um but that all all those things you know we this, this is a guy who He's act. He, he's like acting. He's defining himself, right? Literally, both. Both. Uh, um, in, he says he's wise. He has wealth, mm-hmm. and he he looks good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's it, he co- it covers every aspect of of his of his of his persona of his of his being. Right. And it's like he's it's like he's holding. I sometimes think of it as, um, you know, de- defining yourself that way. It's like holding something out. It's like building a, a kind of wall. It's like right the, the billboard. It's like it yeah, literally exactly. is defining yourself. It's, yeah, it's this. Yeah, this is what I am. And and this character in this particular play gets a chance to explicitly state it. Right. You know, we don't and, always and, in plays. And and I start to imagine like the the other characters on stage. That it's like if anyone 
is is laughing at the buffoonery that they're witnessing, that would probably only anger him further because, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, you, you can't because at that point, like you said, he's so he's so far gone that it's, you know, he can't he would probably wouldn't be able to appreciate that. Oh, he said something funny. He said the wrong thing. It's you're continuing to try to erode, uh, uh, you know, m- my position here. Yeah. And I mean, what? You know, I I think it should be delivered with a with a with a, a level of with the same commitment and passion that um, uh, uh, Shylock would. Defend oh yeah, his, of course, his own yeah. self. Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, I I just think it's it's an interesting <laughs> it's an interesting th- thing. Right. I mean, I, I find it interesting when people try to define themselves. I, I we, yeah. we've talked about this before, but I, yeah. I got to play uh, 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 Quixote in, in Man of La Mancha a couple of times. And there's this scene at the end where he's confronted with the knight of the mirrors, right? Mm. The, the, the knight comes and surrounds, he's surrounded by mirrors and they're showing him for what he really is, just a broken down old man with a, you know, messed up imagination he's not he's not a knight he's nothing and um and and that character does that's also a character who's defining himself constantly through the the show his very first song is uh i am i don quixote right it's like yahweh i am i am myself i am i am this person and at the very end he's he's still saying this is who I am. It's not what mm. you say. I am. I've I've decided. I've decided what I am, and he, he sort of goes down <clears throat> swinging. Right. Um, I, I remember seeing a really interesting thing. I know we're getting way off this topic here, but I remember seeing this really interesting thing when we lived in New York once, of a, a young man being arrested in Times Square, mm. um, and you know he was kind of a. This kind of kid who hung out in there used to be a, a gaming arcade there. Oh, okay. Who's <clears throat> that? That kind of a kid, kind of a street kid, whatever. And the police had him face down on the sidewalk uh, around Forty mm. Second Street, and there were, you know, two or three cops around him, and you know, all those New Yorkers just walking around this. Sure. But uh, I, I remember being sort of fascinated by the fact that he he never stopped talking hmm. this guy in handcuffs he he never stopped sort of defending himself or what or whatever he was saying right um and and it wasn't it wasn't just you know screaming at the cops or anything he was he was just running this narrative and i remember thinking he's and and there were all these people around him, and I thought he is, uh, he's he's a person who is unto himself. He has to, he's building a sort of barrier, saying this is. Mm. This sounds very highfalutin and um, pretentious, but it's as if he was defining himself by by continuing to talk, mm. by continuing to assert his his self against these cops. Because I was thinking, well, if that were me, for whatever reason, I think I would go quiet Hmm. because I know that I would be able to call, you know, 
a friend who would call a lawyer who would, and sure. I have all these resources that would help me deal with this. But this young guy, his only resource was himself. So he had, right. he had to, he had to sort of forcefully define himself. Hmm. So, <laughs> I hope you cut that part out of this. That's a weird thing to say, but it's interesting a character who, who is defining himself in the face of this kind of attack, this little pushback yeah. from yeah. the economy. No, I think it's fascinating. And, and I mean, I, I, I do not pretend to, you know, um, uh, be really strong when, when, you know, when it comes to, to characters or things like that. So I, I mean, this kind of stuff is really still super fascinating to me. And I think, I mean, again, like, like just the idea of, okay, imagine this is Shylock and play Shylock. Now, you know, of course you, you may eventually think about the story and the scene and, and you're not, maybe you won't eventually be playing Shylock, but, but just as a start, I think that's really fascinating and, and I'm not trying to suggest that's what you were saying. I know that that's what I'm putting on it, but just that that level of seriousness for the character. Um, it, it reminded me like, you know, I just love these ideas that you're able to kind of bring up and put forth like in the workshops. You know, you, you, you mentioned a number of times of, you know, looking for those places where the speech could stop and then the character mm-hmm. decides to, to pick it up again. So I, th- I think. You know these these are just great, and and I um I, I want to honor your time. I mean, I, I know you have a, a you know rehearsal coming up in a little bit, um you know in a few weeks and all that. But but I, I really appreciate that you've been able to talk and share so much about the character today, Jeffrey. It was really really wonderful. No, oh, thank you. It's it's a, it's a pleasure to uh, revisit him. Well, good, and and uh, the wonderful guy, and and again, you know that conversation with John, and then mm-hmm. uh, playing this character, it, it's it's a very memorable one in in my uh, uh in my life as an actor i learned i learned a lot i learned a lot playing this guy so it's, well, and it's I, nice yeah. to revisit him for a minute <laughs> and and i think i think it's an important um uh lesson or idea that uh you, you know you you're not alone i think so many of us uh, especially when we're younger assume we need to figure it all out and like we need to come up with all the answers and it's like you can no you can you can talk to people you can ask people like you can get other you know other people can help you out you had a you had a little uh conciliary uh yeah. on that production so um you know that's fine um i had one uh, I, I maybe I'm, I'm starting a tradition but i have one final little batch of quick questions kind of a lightning round i'm talking about um, oh. that I wanted to go through. And it's, it's very simple. Uh, these are this or that questions. Basically, you're going to pick which one which one you like or which one you prefer. Uh, and and okay. you'll, you'll, you'll see in a second uh, what, what, what we're doing. So, um, all right. So, we'll, we'll, we'll go into the lightning round right now. So, first question, Jeffrey, sunrise or sunset? <laughs> sunset. Okay. Coffee or tea? Tea. Uh, the mountains or the beach? Mountains. Salty or sweet? Salty. Sandwich or salad? <laughs> Can I get like a half a sandwich and a, half, a sort of a Panera thing? Uh, oh, Jesus. A sandwich. Okay. Uh, early riser or night owl? Night owl. Summer or winter? Winter. Spicy or mild? 
I, I am I am the quintessential medium guy. Uh, okay. so I'll go with I'll go with spicy. I'd probably okay. rather have spicy than yeah. all right. Uh, fruits or vegetables? <laughs> fruits. Okay. And uh, uh, th- this one could get very divisive uh, in terms of uh, gaining or losing you you fans. But dogs or cats? Dogs. All right, cool. Uh, uh, there we go. The lightning round. Ten questions all done. Um, uh, you, you, you can breathe a sigh of relief. Put a dog eat. on a mountain with a sandwich in the winter. There you go. Perfect. That is, Sounds cozy, doesn't it? Very good. Yeah, yeah not bad. Um, it sounds like you could go up to, uh, you know, Upper Canada or something like that. You know, just, uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah. take your dog in the winter and you'd be, you'd be happy. Um, well, great. Well, well, I have a sandwich. I, yes, yeah. exactly. Um, I want to thank uh, uh, all the people that were tuning in live. I, I see, uh, uh, see Stephen uh, Temperley. I, I hopefully oh, I gave your name right. Uh, he, Stephen. Oh my God. He said. He said I played Conrad once uh, and enjoying the discussion. So um, uh, you know, I guess. Oh my uh, God! I'm so flattered. So Stephen is Stephen is a, a fantastic actor. Well, I'm 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 thrilled that uh, he. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hook you up, uh, Nathan, with a, a uh, thing he just did. Oh, okay, great. Uh, yeah, um, one man show that he wrote. Oh, good. Great and, and so, so yeah. So Stephen had the uh, the opportunity to kind of uh, um, what is that? Set the ball for for Dogberry to to spike at that uh, yes. at the, in that scene. Um, and yes. then uh, let's see, we have David uh, Adamson saying thanks for your take on Dogberry. Uh, oh. I, re- I remember hooking on to his his pride, his sense of propriety. Um, so great, wonderful. No, I really appreciate. Uh, oh, I'm so uh, flattered. It's everybody, uh, you know, tuning in and checking it out. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's it. Um, Jeffrey, you can just stay on, on the call here uh, as I kind of wrap things up on, on Facebook. But, uh, again, I just want to thank everybody for, for attending and I will, uh, I do, uh, have plans to do more of these. Uh, I will say there, there is a podcast full of episodes. Jeffrey, uh, is, has a, his own episode. Uh, you can listen in here more about, uh, his, his life story, his characters. We go, we go deeper on, uh, Quixote and uh, uh, some of the other parts uh, you played and, and just his career. And then uh, I've been putting out uh, audio versions of a lot of the workshops that Jeffrey has uh, directed. So you can go listen to kind of the final weeks of each of those sessions, really fascinating deep dives into uh, many, many great scenes. Uh, and those are also on uh, YouTube as well. You can see the, the full version there. So um, it's great. And uh, let's see, we have a, a PK Smith saying, thank you. Um, as Steven uh, says, thank you to, uh, to both of us. Wonderful. Great. Uh, so yeah. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up here on uh, Facebook and again, we'll hope uh, to do more of this soon and hope uh, you have a great day and thanks for tuning in. Hey, it's Nathan here one more time. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in to that uh, entire presentation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I love going back. I mean, every time I watch these, I'll learn something new. Uh, the work is just so fantastic and so deep. Uh, it, it's just wonderful. So I hope you really enjoyed that. Uh, and like I said, the plan is to roll out more of these. So please stay tuned to the podcast uh, or YouTube. Um, you know, I'll really, I'm really making an effort to, uh, you know, put more of this out there and not just uh, hold on to it and wait for someday. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you're not on the email list, go to workingactorsjourney.com. Um, that is usually uh, where you will find out first about things that are coming up. You know, where I first shared about uh, Libby being part of the rehearsal room and anything else that's going on, I probably will be able to email about it first 
before I'm able to get it out on the podcast uh, or YouTube. Maybe social media, but email is, again, going to be your best bet. So workingactorsjourney.com. It's free to sign up. You can even get uh, a resource. It's called 10 Ways to Stop Worrying and Start Working. Uh, Some of the uh, best advice from, I think, the first two seasons of the show uh, in a PDF. So you get that immediately when you uh, sign up. Uh, You get that free. And then you'll get ongoing notices of what we're doing. So that is it. Hope you're having a great rest of your day. Look forward to sharing more with you soon. And take care. I'm Nathan Agin, and enjoy the journey.